Welcome to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Reyes, a college student here to help you fashion your passion and transform your life. This past year, I've learned a lot about living out your true passions and implementing the best habits, and I'm ready to share these tips with you. Season three is nothing like you've ever heard on any other podcast before, and I'm so excited to take you on this journey with me. Let's get to it. As many of you know, this podcast was just a 4 a.m. idea in preparation for a school project. Now it is a way that I get to spread my voice and help other teens create the best habits for their life. I want to hear your voice too. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's all the tools you need in the app or on their website. And my favorite part is that Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can make money from your podcast too. It's everything you need. And all you have to do is go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you decided to tune in this week. I have on Elizabeth Schuler, who is a licensed professional counselor. And today we're going to be talking all about mental health and how this pandemic and how, you know, moving forward from this pandemic is really going to play out in your personal life. So Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. You can call me Liz. Elizabeth is just what's on my license. (laughs) Of course, of course. So can you just give my listeners a little bit more about, you know, what exactly it is that you do and sort of a little piece into your journey getting to this point? Yeah. So at the moment, I am a licensed professional counselor, which means I am a counselor that can see anybody for therapy, for counseling and those sorts of things. But I currently work overseas in international secondary schools, meaning middle school and high school kind of put together. So I work with adolescents in schools. And so really, I've done this for about 10 years. I started in adolescent residential treatment. So for kids who need like a higher level of care that their parents can't necessarily provide, that going to a counselor once a week can't necessarily provide. And so they all sort of lived together in a house that had 14 rooms. You had roommates. We did a lot of group therapy. And after doing that, I decided I wanted to get my master's in counseling. And from there, I've been in private practice and I've been in schools. Yeah, I love that so much. And I've always had sort of like a a little bit of a calling towards counseling. But I think for me, just through like the podcast, my speaking and stuff like that is uh, good for me as I'm trying not to go go into school for too long. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long time to be in school. It's also, it can be pretty expensive depending on student loans. So, but it's really fulfilling. So if you ever want to go that way, just let me know and we can have a chat. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to dive right into, uh, you know, mental health and just like Mm -hmm. this whole pandemic situation, because it is something that I've always been passionate about since, you know, I was a young girl because sophomore year of high school, I did a whole project on, you know, mental illness and teens and how people Mm -hmm. around them can't really recognize and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I want to first ask you about your thoughts on, you know, sort of teenagers and college students mental health during this pandemic? What's it like? What's going on? And why is this pandemic so hard on some kids? Yeah. So mental health for adolescents is actually a really big thing with or without a pandemic. We know that 
half of all mental health disorders are going to start by age 14. But we also know that we're not going to get treatment for those mental health disorders probably 80% of the time. So even if you do have mental health concerns or you're having depression or you're having anxiety as a teenager, most likely, like you said, the people around you, the adults around you are not going to know that you're feeling this way. And it's most likely not going to be treated, which is actually a real shame because we know that if we get treatment early, you can go into remission, it's treatable, it's preventable. So I think the reason that the pandemic has created even more mental health concerns, which just blows my mind that there's more, it's because we're lacking that connection with each other. We are fundamentally social beings. Our brains are wired to connect with each other. And when we can't connect with each other in that way, it creates a huge barrier to being able to be healthy mentally and physically, unfortunately. Our brains are wired to make sure that our relationships keep us regulated. So we co-regulate from each other. And for teens and young adults, that's a huge part of how we stay normal. You know, when our parents are calm, when our teachers are calm, we're calm as adolescents. And when we don't have that, when we don't have the socialization, it just creates havoc in our brains and in our bodies, unfortunately. Yeah, no, 100%. And I've seen so many, you know, I've heard heard from so many of my friends and I've, you know, seen on social media and stuff like that, that this is just such a trying time for everyone, especially because I usually friend the people, you know, with the biggest hearts and because I'm, I'm one of those people. So it's so hard for me to like, you know, not be around so many people. And it's like, oh, I've been around the same four people for the past like three months. Like this is getting ridiculous already. So I totally understand that. You mentioned before, like the whole rise in, you know, sort of Depleting mental health, if you would say, amongst teenagers and college students, it really is something that I've done research in previously, and it's something that I care about so much. And I never really like grasped the fact that like there are so many different causes to why people, you know, why students will suffer from anxiety and depression. So, like, what in your work have you seen have been sort of like the top causes of that? So there are a lot of different causes. I don't think that we know 100% what causes a mental health issue or a mental health disorder, but we're getting closer. So the old model of like depression, say, is that you have the chemical imbalance in your brain. The only evidence for that ever was really that the antidepressant pills that we prescribe people sometimes work for some people, right? So that's not really the case anymore. And we've known that for a good 20 years now in the field, that the chemical imbalance idea or narrative is not really true. And what they're finding out now is that a lot of it has to do with early trauma. So even if it's not severe abuse or severe neglect, Even smaller traumas, if they're not dealt with in a caring, empathetic, really attached, attuned way, can create issues with the wiring in your brain. And that can create some mental health disorders and even physical disorders later on in life. If you look at the adverse childhood experiences studies, they're showing that trauma early in life can really affect your whole mental and physical being. And then there's also a lot of idea around inflammation now. So if you're too stressed, that can cause inflammation in your body and in your brain and in your nervous system. 
And that can create a whole host of issues, including depression and anxiety, because you have inflammation in your body. So it's really not just a brain-based issue. It's a whole body, a whole organism. And we need to start looking at it more holistically because I think when we think about mental health as just being in your brain, we do a really big disservice to people. Yeah, no, 100%. And I always say, you know, for me personally, it's like if I'm able to, to start healing my mind, I can start to heal my body. And once I do that, I can heal my mind even more because I've seen it happen mm-hmm. you know, multiple times in my life. And so it's so true, you know, because everything truly is connected because, you know, you only have one body, but people mm-hmm. view like these things as like so separate, you know, and I don't think it's that's the case at all. Right. What is sort of your thoughts on how society impacts, you know, mental health of students and teenagers and stuff like that? And how do you think that, what are like one or two ways in which students can sort of not take society's views in as personally? Yeah. I mean, we do a whole presentation to parents about this routinely every year that I am in a school. I think parents tend to see kids in this very stereotypical, especially when you're in your teenage years, this very stereotypical, you are impulsive, you don't think through your decisions, you are hormonal monsters, right? If you've ever watched Big Mouth, the hormone monster, right? That's how parents and society tends to see adolescents. And that actually isn't really true. And when we put those labels on especially younger adolescents. Oh, well, I'm just impulsive. Oh, well, I just have raging hormones and I can't really control myself. Oh, this is just a phase, right? I have mood swings because I'm in my teenage years or I'm an adolescent. And and so when we put those labels on kids from not just parents, but TV shows from outsiders who are like, oh, there's a teenager, we probably should cross the street, right? We don't know what's gonna happen. It, it really creates this idea that they're out of control. And when you feel like everybody else believes that you're out of control, it makes it harder to deal with when you really do feel out of control inside of yourself and you, you don't know where to turn for help, unfortunately. Yeah, no, 100%. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I definitely want to talk about sort of control because one of the big pieces that I always preach is that you are in control of your own life. You can control like, as much as you can't control like things that are happening to you. You can control how you react to that and stuff like that. And I think that, like you said, like teenagers get this script that they don't really have control over what they're doing. You know, they don't really mm-hmm. have control over where they're going and like who they're seeing and stuff like that. But in all actuality, like they do 86% of the time or whatever it is. And so what do you think, you know, like what are some of your, I would say like best tips in order for teenagers to start to regain that control over their own life? You know, I know for me personally, like one of the big things that I did was like, I started going to therapy again, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. I, realize something is wrong and like I don't know what's going on and that's what I started to do but what is some of that may be one of them like what are some of the other things that you sort of suggest for teenagers who are like I'm just so overwhelmed and feel like I can't you know sort of like I'm not able to control anything in my life right now yeah I I think you're correct I think that therapy can be a huge boon to adolescents but I also think that in a lot of ways parents are a barrier to that unfortunately right so if you're not above the age of 18 it's going to be hard if your parents don't want you to see a therapist to see a therapist outside of school but that's where school counselors come in and are really great because the majority of us now 
are actually trained mental health professionals. We're not just guidance counselors, right? So we're not just there for college. We also have mental health training. And you have access to your school counselor at any time, right? Your parents don't necessarily have to know exactly what's going on or if you're seeing your school counselor, there's a level of confidentiality there that really helps protect. So that's one thing that I would say that if you feel like you can't go get the therapy that you really want, you always have access to a school counselor. The other thing that I would say is that you can go on YouTube or you can go on, you know, any sort of the Calm app or Insight Timer and you can do mindfulness and meditation and yoga And those are proven interventions that therapists use and will tell you to use to help train that prefrontal cortex of your brain to help you feel more in control. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's really the part of your brain that isn't quite developed yet until you're almost 26, right? And so that's the part of your brain that puts the brakes on that that is really the thinking part of your brain, the organized managing part of your brain. And the more you can build that up, the better it's going to be for you to feel in control and to feel calm and to feel like you are not just at the whims of your emotions. Yeah, that is so good. I know like for me, like yoga has been my saving grace for the past couple of years. Like I go all the time with my friends in college and, you know, I do it on my own. It's just like, it just, you know, just, I just create this whole experience for myself and it truly is allows me to a move my body because that's so important mm-hmm. too but also be just to like get out of my own head and sort of like clear things up for me so I, I love how you mentioned that I want to touch sort of on like the quote-unquote like after pandemic life right like we mm-hmm. obviously like right now it's the middle of June like we don't really know what's going on but some states are you know here in the U.S. are opening up and stuff like that so I want to ask you, like, what do you think in terms of socially, like in teenagers mentally, like what is going to happen and what's going to sort of be the result of us like coming back to some sort of new sense of normal? Right. So uh, fortunately, I'm in China right now. So I have a little bit of a head start on you guys and I've kind of seen already what that might look like. We know for a fact that there are going to be a lot more teens that come back to school that have trauma, right? So we don't know if that's going to be because at home it was not a safe home to be at. We don't know if that's because they already had some sort of anxiety issues and being cooped up all day and not being able to do the things that had helped them cope before. They're just so anxious that they can't deal with it anymore. We have done, in our school, we did a full trauma screener of every single student. And unfortunately, we had about a third of our students that scored high on that screener that needed to be seen pretty much immediately. And we had to talk with each and every one of them and make sure that that they were okay. And I think the thing that I got the most out of those conversations was that it just felt lonely, right? It just felt that they didn't have anybody to talk to. You can talk over the internet, but sometimes the internet doesn't work, right? Sometimes you get the weird echo and the body language isn't right and it just didn't feel the same. You couldn't do activities with your friends, you know? And so having that social piece and having it taken away and then you put yourself right back into school, right? If if we, if in the United States, you go right back into school in August after, you know, months of not being able to stand within six feet of each other, 
it can be really jarring for people to not have that contact and then have all of that contact all at the same time. It's almost like jumping into the deep end of a really, really freezing pool. It's like a shock. You don't know what to do anymore. You don't know how to be around your friends anymore. You don't know if your friends are still your friends, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So there are going to be a lot of different challenges, I think, for parents and, and for students to be able to ease themselves back into it and know that it's not just going to go 100% right back to where it was before you went into quarantine or lockdown. Right. Yeah. No, 100%. What are some of your ideas in order to sort of make that transition for people easier? Well, I know that in our school, doing something like the trauma screener was going to be helpful. So having somebody that cares right? We had all of the the kids come together. We did a counseling session with every single student. And then each student was was screened. And then the ones who wanted to talk or the ones that needed to talk had somebody to talk to. And for parents, that's also going to be something that's really big. If you feel comfortable as an adolescent to talk to your parents about these feelings, that's going to really help you. Because just having somebody to listen to you and be empathetic is going to be a huge burden that you take off of your shoulders. It's going to be that one safe space. You just need to find that one safe person to be able to have these conversations with and you will feel so much better. Again, if you can do mindfulness, if you can do yoga, if you can find some of those coping skills to go back to that you were doing before or new coping skills that you want to try out, basketball, anything with movement, anything that brings you joy, getting back into that and making sure that you are finding that joy in your life before you step back into that moment of, wow, I'm in school again. Wow, it's different, but it's also the same. And I don't know how to handle this. I think it's going to be the biggest thing, finding that one person that you can talk to and trust and making sure that you have your coping skills, new or old, started before you get back into school. Yeah, that is really, really good. I know for me, I'm sort of trying to like get my life back on track again after, you know, just like checking out for a few months and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult, but it's, it's something that we're going to have to do in order to succeed better in this upcoming school year. What would you say to someone who's just like really struggling right now and they're just like, I can't take one more minute of this lockdown. My family's driving me crazy. I, I haven't been out of the house in months. Like, what would you say to that person? I would say, again, try and find that one thing that you can do that helps. So if that's, you know, trying yoga on YouTube, if that's, you know, looking for a guided meditation online, if that's taking a walk, right, or taking a bath, one thing that really makes you feel good and makes you feel calm, do that every day. And the more that you do that and the more that you practice that self-care, the better you're going to feel. Also finding that one person that you can talk to. It doesn't have to be your friend if you don't want it to be. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It can be a parent. It can be an aunt or an uncle. It can be a friend. It can be a sister. Just one person that you can really talk to about these feelings. It's going to make a huge difference because when we feel alone, the biggest thing that we need is to feel connected to somebody else. Yeah, 100%. This has been an amazing conversation and I want to roll into uh, the final question of the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is a question I ask every single guest who has ever been on. 
based on the title of this podcast, which is Fashion Your Fashion Podcast, what is one tip that you would give dreamers based off of how you have fashioned your passion? I think just knowing that where you come from doesn't necessarily dictate where you go. You can have a background that has nothing to do with where you want to go, or you are poor, you have been abused, there's been trauma. You can have all of that and still, if you want, you can be the person that you want to be. You might need help and it's always good to ask for help. It's always good you know, to have people in your corner, but if you want to do it, it doesn't matter where you've come from. You can get there. I love that so much. That is not an answer that I've heard before. So I really, I really love that a lot. Liz, thank you so, so, so much for coming on today. I really appreciate the conversation and I think it'll benefit a ton of, ton of people. For those of you listening, please be sure to screenshot this episode if you learned anything and post on your Instagram story and tag me at Fashion Your Passion Podcast. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I hope you learned something from this episode. And if you did, don't forget to screenshot you listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, and tag me at Fashion Your Passion podcast. I love hearing what you learned. As well, do not forget to scroll down and leave a rating and review. I love to read those too and know what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Be sure to tell all of your friends about this podcast because I want to spread this to as many teens as possible. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week.